It is Thursday, August 17th. Welcome to another edition of Baseball Today. This one's brought to you by shop.johnboymedia.com. My name is Trevor Plouffe. Chris Rose is not here again. He's doing his NFL Network stuff. But again, replacing him in this lineup, it's a banners-only show. Mm. Charlie Olive in the Shea Station Blacks. Beautiful jersey. What's going on with you this morning? Oh, Trev, I'm I'm great this morning. Got a little work from home day. Uh, I saw the top of our topic sheet, a little Chris Morrell talk, a little walk-off homer talk, and I got inspired. So I threw on the jersey where I made some magic happen in the warehouse. Some would say that, that game, that swing, changed the trajectory of Jolly Olive's life. I, I saw confidence just rise from, you know, from nowhere, essentially. Uh, you were a, a decently confident young man before that, but then... Once you hit the homer against James, things have just taken off for you. Trev, we can be frank. That was a that was a man with no confidence, no gumption, and then he <laughs> took one hard, angry swing, and the trajectory of his life changed. That's all it is, man. What a warehouse moment! I forgot to mention, as I always do, producer Dan along for the ride, super producer, my teammate in football. Let's go, rotten forever. <laughs> We're gonna start like we always do on this show, Jolly, with a tip of the cap. Mine's backwards, so I'll go like this: mm. bam, tip of the cap. And I'm giving it to Bryce Harper. He had his first multi-homer game, uh, <coughs> excuse me, of the season <coughs> as Philadelphia hands Toronto a loss. I just wanted to shout out Bryce because the power hasn't been there. Mm. Uh, we know he had some, he had surgery on the elbow. Uh, you know, comes back early, says, "You know what? I'll DH. I'll do what I have to do." And and then as soon as I can, I'll play first base. This is a this is a superstar of the game, Jolly, like a face of the game of baseball with a massive contract, willing to do whatever it takes to be on the field, and not only DH. But he understands that playing first base opens up the roster flexibility so much for them. He learns a completely new position in the middle of the year as he's coming back from a surgery. It's nuts. Appreciate Bryce Harper, people, is basically what I'm trying to say. I mean, if you want to talk about active players on surefire Hall of Fame paths, I think Bryce Harper kind of tops that list, man, alongside Mike Trout and a couple other guys. But we talked about it a lot during the postseason last year where we really got to appreciate his greatness, but we're at the point where he's underpaid, man. He's He's got you know his arm hanging off. He's unable to play the field. And he's still doing everything he can to help his team. And yeah, man, that defense is important because we've known the way this Phillies team has been built, that defense is going to be an issue. It's been kind of a big issue with Schwarber this season. So Harper doing anything he can to free up that DH spot goes beyond him hitting two homers in a game and stuff like that. Special player. Get those clunkers off the field. Put them in the DH spot 100%. Yeah. No, look, I don't want to go too far into this, but Bryce is, he's lived up to everything. He's been a prospect since he's been 12 years old, essentially. Lived up. And honestly, he's like just never done anything wrong. Like he is everything you want in your superstar. So you get the tip of the cap, Bryce. I'm sure you love that. I loved it. And to start the show, Show up as you mentioned earlier. You kind of gave our first question away. Chris Morrell hits a walk off three run homer that puts the Cubs into a three way tie for the last NL wild card spot. A lightning quick comeback in the ninth against the White Sox. Uh, just a very special moment at Wrigley. You're seeing it here. He went nuts around the bases, Jolly. Uh, these Cubs they've won 20 of their last 30 games, they're on fire right now. Things are happening. 
Are you buying into this Cubs team as a true World Series contender? Mm, World Series is strong, personally for me, because I, I went on Talking Baseball a couple weeks ago. We had a little bit of Cubs fever. Me and Jake, we were talking a lot of Cubbies baseball. There's a lot to like for this team. Uh, World Series, I think I'm going to be out on, but I would like to see this team get in the dance, and I think they can shoot higher than a wildcard spot. I think they can take that central division from the Brewers, who haven't really done a ton to really tell me, hey, we're going to run away with this thing. The big thing for me with the Cubs is how are you going to recover from Marcus Stroman maybe being out for the season? I mean, it's going to be a lot to put on the back of your young stud, Justin Steele. They're getting good starts from Tyone. Drew Smiley's pitching deep into a season, which is always a plus, and Hendricks is always there. But is that enough? And I would have felt a lot more comfortable saying go Cubbies go if they went out and got a starter. But this lineup can bang, man. They're, they're consistent through and through. And their best hitter is the dude that just smacked that walk-off home run. Chris Morelli's having a really special season. Last night I tweeted that the Cubs got their new hobby, but he's kind of like the ultra positive, like happy go lucky Javi. And, and I, I kind of love that for Cubs fans. Okay. They're new Javi bias. Okay. Mm. I, I don't, I don't mind that. I don't mind that. Um, I'm kind of with you on the world series contention. Uh, the only thing is if you think they can beat the brewers and take the central, I mean, they're, they're playing special baseball. And usually we do see, you know, one or two teams that are on the fringe to kind of, hustle their way, their way into the playoffs, have some sort of extended playoff run. You know, there is some magic with this team. I don't think there was a ton of expectations um, on the north side of Chicago this year, but now I think there are. I think once they didn't trade away Bellinger and, and Stroman, I know Stroman like struggled there, you know, heading into the trade deadline. Now he's hurt, but they didn't trade away anybody. And I think those expectations became like, oh, this is real. Like we do have a shot at this. We do have uh a nice roster mix of some young guys like a morale doing it. Plus some resurgent players like a belly. Like, I mean, the season he's had is just mm-hmm. put a lot of, he's made a lot of Cubs fans believe in this year, but I agree with you on the, on the starting pitching front. I mean, with Stroman there, I, I would say, yes, they, I think they could be contenders, even though he had been struggling. I think there's, a world, this is a Jake Storielli uh, phrase, there is a world where if Marcus Stroman was here, it doesn't matter what he does going into the playoffs. This guy's a big game pitcher. And I think that you know when the lights were the brightest, I think he would step it up. Now, not having him there does leave that starting rotation a little bit thin. And it, you know the roster doesn't necessarily match up against some of these other teams in the NL, namely the Braves and the Dodgers. But I want to say yes. I want to say like they could be the magic team. Um, but really in my heart, I'll say I don't think they're true World Series contenders just yet. Or I mean, they'd have to do something crazy to convince me of that, I guess. I'd have to see these starters go on some sort of a tear and Drew Smiley step back into rotation and go into some sort of tear, which I just don't know if that's going to happen, Jolly. I mean, they're, they're a really fun team to root for because – the way they were built, it was kind of reliant on like, okay, we need Cody Bellinger to return to form. We need Nico Horner to be good. We need Dansby Swanson to have a good year. Ian Happ needs to stay here long-term. Like they had a laundry list of things they needed to happen for them to be successful this late in the season. And the cool thing is most of those things happen. Like things are going according to plan for this front office. And for me, 
deep down, I can't. I just want to see a central team do something in October. I feel like it's been forever since I've seen either league central team make some noise in the playoffs. And if it's going to be this Cubs team, then I'm down for it because I think I think there is a wide open net in the National League right now behind those top two that we talked about yesterday in the Braves and Dodgers. And if the Cubs can make some noise and take down some teams down the stretch, it's better to get hot now than to get hot in April and May. So I'm really interested to see how they play going forward. I did watch my Mets take two out of three from them, which kind of took a little bit of steam out of my Cubs fandom because I was like, come on, how are you losing to this team? But last night, that was a big win for them. So if I'm not mistaken, they would, if they're the third wild card team, they will end up playing Milwaukee. That's correct. And they have gone three and four against them this year, mm-hmm. but certainly a winnable series. I mean, these teams see each other a lot. Anything can happen in that. So, hey, in my mind, that's kind of what I have. I have if the Cubs make it, they bounce a team early and we're like, hey, the Cubs, are they, are they going to be this team? And then they get beat by the Dodgers, the Braves. But that's I like them I in a three game set, though. I like them in a three game set. OK, OK, OK. Speaking of that log jam for the last NL wild, wild card. We have the Cubs, we have Cincy, we have Miami, we have Arizona. I'm actually going to leave San Diego out of this discussion. Okay? So they're they're gone. Just just for this half. discussion, okay? My goodness. I'm not saying they're out of it. Four and a half. Come on. <laughs> so those four teams are all still in play for the last NL wild card spot. In the AL, it's Toronto, Seattle, and Boston fighting for that last playoff spot. I left the Yankees out of there. Uh, which team do you think will be the most disappointed at the end of the season? This is an interesting question because it's not which team is going to get left out. It's going to be which team, you know, feels like they should have been in the dance and not. So right off the bat, I'm taking Boston out of the discussion because I think Boston, they kind of knew this was a transition year with some upside. I think things have gone well for them, but I, I don't put them in that Blue Jays Mariners class right now, even Astros too. I think they're going to be on the outside looking in, but they're going to view this year as, as a stepping stone going forward. Cubs, I think you got a little bit of house money. Reds, they feel like the Orioles of last year, like 83, 84 wins. A lot of young guys step in the right direction. So for me, it comes down to Miami and Arizona. And I think both these teams kind of didn't think they would be here realistically this late in the season. But I think I'm going to say Arizona just because of how long they were leading that National League West and how long they were able to stay ahead of the Padres, Giants, and Dodgers. And for it to fizzle out in this nasty losing streak that they've been mired in is really disappointing because they also went for it at the deadline. They pulled off a couple great trades for Tommy Pham and Paul Seawald. And while it's starting to pay a little bit of dividends and they've been winning recently, they've won four of their last five, they had that nasty losing streak to kick off August, which really took them out of contention for any division discussion. And they're going to be leaning heavily on Zach Allen going forward. There's been injury problems with Merrill Kelly. The rest of the rotation hasn't really panned out. And for them, it kind of feels to me like a season that potentially got away because now they're on the outside looking in on the playoffs. And I kind of like the chances of like every other team in front of them. When, if you asked me a couple months ago, I probably wouldn't have said that. I agree with you, Arizona, getting off to that fast start, leading the division now kind of falling to where they've fallen. Definitely seems disappointing, but I don't know what aspirations they necessarily had before the year. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go with one of the AL teams and you really, you, you took the words out of, right out of my mouth. I think it's either Toronto or Seattle. Mm. You know, if one of those team, two teams doesn't get in, I think they're very disappointed. Toronto has been on the cusp of this 
this this window and like I I love their roster and everything seems like they have they just got it all figured out. Like the starters have been good. They've got a great year from Barrios and like it's things have really gone to plan for them. Uh, you know, maybe the offense hasn't been there fully and, you know, they could have, you know, had more power and, and Vlad could have had a better year and all these different things. I, I There are things they could have done better, but they've had, for, for the most part, a decent year. And for them to miss the playoffs, I think would really be bad. But I think really I'll, I'll, I'll pick Seattle mm. uh, because they have big dreams coming into this year. And I think they, I think they put themselves into like a, world series mentality you know playoffs great but we want to go win this whole dang thing and they just never have found their footing and again for them it's also been offensively and so julio rodriguez starting off the year so poorly you know really uh had them struggling early on but now they've turned it on they've been healthy uh, all year long with their pitching staff so i really believe that those two teams toronto and seattle you know, they had big ideas of what they wanted to do with this season. And one of them is is, is not going to be, you know, in the playoffs. And I think for me, it would be if Seattle missed it. Well, I don't know. Tor- I, they're kind of on the same level. Toronto and Seattle, I think one of them is going to go and, and say, what happened to this year? Like Dude, nothing, I, I nothing major, you. nothing major went wrong, but one of us just isn't in the playoffs. And to me, uh, those two teams will be the most disappointed. It's part of, you know, just being in the American League because it's just tough every year and has been for years on end. But I like that you highlighted these two teams specifically because I think I think if you ask me right now, like what rotations in the American League do I like the best going into the playoffs? I think it's these two teams, man. I think they both have a good one through four who have stayed healthy all year long. Like if you put a team in a three-game set against the Mariners where they got Castillo – Kirby and Gilbert to throw at you. I really don't like the opponent's chances, man. You could say the same thing about the Blue Jays, but the fact of it is, I think we like the Rays and the Astros too much to really believe that either of them are going to get leapfrogged out of it. So it's going to come down to Toronto or Seattle. And both these teams definitely deserve to be there. And if they were to get in, would absolutely make some noise. But I think one of them is getting left out. And I think you're right. It's going to be really, really disappointing for either team. It's because... Yeah, like like they've just they've stayed healthy and things have just gone according to plan mostly. Like the offense is dipping a little bit. That's the only thing that you could really point to. And sheesh, man. That's always tough. Tough world out there. And this one is brought to you by Bally Sports. You guys know Bally Sports. I work for Bally Sports when I call the Twins games. It's how Brewers fans watch the Brew Crew in Milwaukee. It's how Tigers fans watch their team in Detroit and how Marlins fans watch their team in Miami. You guys understand the drill. Baseball's changed a lot this year. The pitch clock rules have come in, and they've made the game better. There's less downtime. There's more action. It's a faster pace. I love it. You love it. The only problem with it, though, is that because the games are speeding up, there's no time to drink those big old tall boys anymore. So Bally said, you know what? We're going to do something. Shorter games call for shorter beers, and that's why they've created Short Boy Summer. They created Short Boys Beer. There's 8.4-ounce cans of delicious baseball beer. They're crisp. They're refreshing. The can is stubby yet substantial, just like my friend Jake Story Alley. And it's only available in select markets. Again, shorter games means shorter beers. It's time for Short Boys Summer. Watch the shorter games on Bally Sports and stream on the Bally Sports app. Go check it out if you want to watch your local team. If you want to watch Coach Trev call the Twins games, go get that app. 
and watch Bally Sports all summer. It's a short boy summer. It is a tough world. Speaking of some of these pitchers, you mentioned George Kirby. There's Zach Gallon going tonight. He's facing the Padres. George Kirby facing the Royals. And then we also have Corbin Burns going up against Lance Lynn and the Dodgers tonight. You have one. Rose gives you his first class plane ticket. Mm. He always flies first class. He gives you one first class plane ticket. And you can go to any of these games tonight. Where are we dropping, Jolly? Oh, this is such a tough question. All three of these guys are just, they're great for all different reasons, man. You know, um, I think right now, just because part of it is I've seen the other two pitch and I've never seen this guy pitch in person. I think right now I'd love to watch George Kirby go at it. Cause I think he's quietly put together like a top five Cy Young season. And the reason why I love watching him pitch is that he doesn't fucking walk anybody. All he does is throw strikes He's, I think he's what right now, he's the number one pitcher against winning teams for whip and on base percentage and strikeout to walk rate. Like all this dude does is he comes after hitters and he's such a young guy too that like I feel like we still haven't seen the best of him either. And all I think about is last year's ALDS against the Astros down to nothing. First playoff game at Safeco Field in however many years, 21 or whatever. George Kirby on the mound tossing seven, eight shutout innings against the Houston Astros, ice in his veins. This guy needs to get into a spotlight once again this year. I hope the Mariners make it just so I can watch him pitch in a big game because this dude is big game pitcher energy. And that's exactly what the Mariners need right now with like Luis Castillo kind of going through like a tougher stretch, the bullpen going through a tough swing. George Kirby has been their rock and he's top five in every important American League starting pitcher rank. Uh, I really want to watch him pitch in person. I'd love to drop into Seattle, full capacity crowd, watching this dude do his thing. Now, Joe, I don't know if you know this, but Mariners fans are always in my mentions telling me about George Kirby. So I agree with you. Uh, mm. So much fun to watch. Um, and I love the individual matchup that would come between Bobby Wood Jr. and George Kirby. I Ooh. like that choice. I'm going to go with Zach Gallen. Okay. Uh, going up against the Padres for a couple of different reasons. Uh, this will be the third time that Gallon has faced the Padres this year. One was early on in the year. He kind of got roughed up, a couple homers. And then the last game he pitched was against the Padres. On August 12th, he went six innings pitched, four hits, no runs, eight Ks. He's facing them back-to-back starts. So I always like like that aspect. Like, what, mm. What's he going to do differently? Is he going to just say, hey, you know what? I had success last time out against you. I'll do the exact same thing, see if you can hit it. Uh, so I like that. I want to see him go up against that lineup. And another thing. We talked. I didn't include the Padres in the NL Wild Card race, but they they're there. Sure, uh, you know Nando doing Nando things last night. Right now, the head-to-head record between the Diamondbacks and the Padres, uh, Diamondbacks have lost four or won four games and lost five games. So mm. if Zach Gallon can win this game tonight, it puts them back to even. And look, there's a chance that uh, the tiebreaker comes down to head-to-head record. Uh, there's a few more games to be played, but Gallon getting it back to even, that's big for the season series as well. So I think uh, I would go there. Neither of us picked uh, Lance Lynn versus Corbin Burns, which seems like an mm. oversight or a mistake. Uh, Corbin Burns in L.A. going up against that lineup. Uh, he's been incredible uh, this year, as he always is. Uh, so you really can't go wrong. But, yeah, I think Gallon's my guy. He's... He's turning into one of my favorite pitchers in the league. 
Which a gallon's a great. I'm, pick, late, man. I'm late to the train on that one. Oh, I mean, you know, a lot of us were, but Gallon's putting together an amazing season. I like that you highlighted the uh, back-to-back starts against the same pitcher because if we're talking playoff ball for the Arizona Diamondbacks or Padres or whatever, a big recipe that goes into winning those series is okay. Do you have a pitcher that can stymie a team twice in a row? Because if you're in a five-game, seven-game set. That's the scenario you're going to find yourself in if you're the ace of the team. So Zach Allen, pretty interesting start. That's going to happen for him tonight. Corbin Burns, I'm glad you shouted him out too. He could be pitching against his future team. Oh, Who the hell knows? What? People don't it's, like when we say everyone's going to the Dodgers. I'm just saying that it, it rings true in my brain, man. It just makes sense. But George Kirby, stud. 16 innings, one earned run this month already. Oh, man. he is. A mm. stud. Speaking of studs, Miguel Cabrera, he's pretty good. He played his final game at Target Field as the Tigers beat the Twins 8-7. to He's loved hitting at Target Field. I got a front row seat to a lot of it. Uh, He slashed 315, 377, 518. That's good for an 895 uh, OPS. Uh, Before I get to the question, which is going to be what's your biggest Miguel Cabrera memory, I'm going to pose this question Mm. to our chat and AMP, which I don't know if is working for me right now. I got it up. Okay. and to you, where do you think Miguel Cabrera's worst offensive output is at a stadium where he's had over 100 plate appearances? Ooh, okay. Over 100 plate appearances, so it doesn't have to be just his division. Worst? I feel yeah. like you're asking me this because it's kind of an interesting answer. So I'll say, like, Fenway Park. It is not Fenway Park. Uh, let's see, what did he do at Fenway? I have all this stuff. Billy up. Camden, Yankee Fenway. Stadium. Chats, chats, can't chats find... active. They're saying Royals. Why can't I find Fenway on here? Oh, my Trev. I'm gonna it's find not it. Fenway. Do you know what it is? <laughs> what is it? And this is the most surprising thing. It's the Rogers Center in Toronto. Really? Mm, yes. Never would have guessed. 198 uh, plate appearances there. He's got a 700 OPS. That's like... By far the lowest, you know, yeah. Petco Park. He's got ninety-four plate appearances, so it didn't Oof. didn't register. He's actually got a five forty-seven OPS there. But I thought it was very interesting that in Toronto at the Rogers Center, that's a notorious hitters park. No slug, you know, no batting average, nothing. Mm. Fenway Park said... found it seven ninety-three OPS there you at go. Fenway Park through one hundred and ninety-eight plate appearances. Okay, so not a bad guess by me i almost said yankee stadium because i'm checking it now he's got like a 1.2 there so that would have been a horrible guess he's played at all the yankee stadiums too. <laughs> anyways give me your biggest miguel cabrera memory yeah i mean there's so many great ones to choose from um before i do i was just kind of perusing around his references here okay. I, have you realized that miguel cabrera is like kind of having a really nice year since like may yeah yeah, I was May, aware of that. Yeah. Since May 30th, 805 OPS, 310 batting average. Good for Miggy. Love that for yep. his retirement tour. Yep. Uh, for me, it, it comes down to I was a big baseball game, video game kid. So when I was playing when I was younger, Miggy was always like the most OP player you could get on your team. And a lot of those games, he was still repping the Teal Marlins uni. So a lot of the memories I have are when he was with that team for that brief amount of time at the beginning of his career. So I'm going to say when he probably punched a two-run homer off Roger Clemens in that 03 World Series, because I think as a young 20, you know, younger than me right now, stud, 
he was getting those massive fall classic hits, bringing a World Series home to Florida, which is crazy because we'll never really associate him with that team as much as we do with the Tigers just because of how his careers went. But when I think of big Miggy moments, I think of that. I think of him walking off in his first major league hit. Like he was a, I can't believe they traded him. I mean, I know it's been 20 years since that, but like just crazy. Yeah. I mean, there's so many moments you can go to. I I love the um, Homer against Mariano Rivera as Mm. he just figures out what to do with that pitch. He just, you could just see him in his mind, figuring it out. Uh, for me, I have, a, I have an interesting one. I got to see him during his Triple Crown years, his MVP mm. years. is incredible. You know, just getting time to talk with him. He was always really nice to me. Uh, I wasn't a threat, so he's just nice to me, you know, <laughs> you know how it is. Uh, and then it changed one day. Um, playing third base, and he hits, I think it was actually against Kyle Gibson, hits a rocket over my head. And I freaking jump up and snag this thing out of the Ooh, air. Take, we got to find this play. Take a double away. I think I'd turn, I think I'd double up somebody. So I took some stakes away from him. Um, extra base hit. And he was legitimately mad at me. Like later in the game, he got on base and he was like fucking like he wouldn't look at me and he was pissed at me. And I thought he was joking. I thought he was joking, Jolly. And it took him like I the next time we played him was like weeks down the road. And finally, at that point, he was like back to like smiling and like Miggy. Before, like the rest of that game, like he was like legitimately mad at me, and I, I, I felt like he couldn't hide it. Like he was trying to hide it from me, but he couldn't. Like he's like, I, I don't think a lot of people give him that like fierce competitor. You know, they don't, they don't put that on him because he's, he's just like so good and so happy all the time. You know, like, but he was a fierce competitor, man. I saw that come out there, and uh, I'll never forget that feeling. I was like trying to like joke with him, and he just like was not happy. I mean, he. I think he expected you to comply, man. If he rips the ball hard, you got to let that through. That's greatness in front of you, you know. But that's just, that's the competitor in you. I get it. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was trying <laughs> to do anything to stay on the field, Miggy. Okay, not all of us could wake up and hit three thirty. Uh, but no, he he was great. I, I just every time I see him, like you know, finish a, a his career at this certain park, like when he did that Fenway, I thought that was really special. But you know, Target Field, he spent a lot of time. You know, being a fucking menace. Oh, how do you hit there? I'm curious. The Minnesotans. He, he, he. I just read off uh, the stat line, Jolly. He didn't listen to the question. 895 oh. OPS there. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> All right. Uh, last question or last thing we do. We always like to end with something fun. We have two plays here that were awesome. We're gonna start with Luke Rayleigh. He hits this wild inside the park home run uh, up in San Francisco. Hits off the brick. Goes off the top of the center field wall and then it's off to the races. What a feeling this is for him. He knows he's going to hit a home run mm. right here. Uh, he just he's got to get around the bases, standing up. That was awesome. And then the other great moment from last night was Fernando Tatis just taken home without a throw. An incredible base running play. Clearly one that they watched video and saw this happening. Lefty looking over to first base, not really paying attention. Tatis saw it the whole way. And if we show, like, I don't know if we're going to get to it here, but he takes a walking lead, walking lead, then he just turns the Jets on. It's not even close. I think right here we're going to see it. Again, just yep. goes, 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 see ya. So what was the funner baseball moment for you? Inside the park homer or the uncontested stealing of home? You know, I mean, with the inside the park homer, I think 
Oracle Park can just get kooky sometimes. And like, if I think it's cool that you could be anybody. And if you hit it to the right place in that ballpark, you might have a shot at inside the park homer. But not everybody can do what Nando did, which was just recognition, awareness, and then blazing speed to just steal a run uh, that would help win the game for the Padres. I'm going to go with Nando just because stealing home just seems impossible to me. I mean, I know it's a lefty pitcher, so there's a little bit of advantage there. But it was also like kind of symbolic to me because I love that Fernando is still kind of himself. He hasn't lost any of that like special ability from that from that year off. And, you know, people have their opinions about what he did. And that's totally fair. And like, if that changes your reflection of him, I totally get it. But at the end of the day, I love watching that guy play. I love watching him do pretty much anything on the field. I actually, I'm surprised how much I love watching him play right field at this point. Cause he's really good at that too. Cause he's really fucking good at everything, including stealing home against one of the best teams in baseball. So I'm going Nando. He's uh incredible to watch, but I will disagree with you. Uh, okay. I think any, anybody could have stolen home last night. In that wow. scenario, there was zero awareness, zero field awareness there from mm. the pitcher. I mean, Fernando was three quarters of the way home before he even realized what was going on. So that was great play, great play by Tatis. But my goodness, we got to pay attention there. How do you not know <laughs> that as a pitcher? Come on, man. I mean, I watched IKF swipe home against my Mets too, and you're just oh. sitting there in the crowd like, how does this happen? How you want the game? The game speeds up on you. That's what that's what I happens. guess. Uh, so I'll go with Luke Rayleigh hitting the homer. Uh, the pure joy you see as he's running around the bases, understanding that he's about to get credited for a homer on the ball that probably should have been a home run anyway because he smacked the crap out of that thing. Uh, but once you see it hit in the and the uh, I think it was the left fielder just overrunning it, yeah, and it's gone. You just start running, <laughs> you're smiling. Those are fun. That's those are fun baseball moments right here. I never had an inside the park home run at the baby level, although I did have like a little league home run. I hit a triple in cores. They tried to throw me out at third base, and as I popped up, the ball hit me in the shoulder, went off into the stands. Inside the park, little league home reform. I mean, my favorite, I have a my favorite is just watching the guys absolutely gassed after having to run the extra 90 <laughs> feet or whatever. Just like on the on the bench, just getting oxygen, getting fan from their teammates. I love that shit. It's so funny. It is good. All right, that's going to do it for today. we got a lot of great baseball coming up this weekend. Jolly will join us again tomorrow morning. I believe we're going to do that at around 9 a.m. Pacific. Come join us on the AMP app. Download it. Come hang with our community. Talk mm. ball with us. Uh, we get a little crazy on the AMP app. A little more um, risque, if you will. Kooky. Uh, a little bit more than that uh, than we do on the YouTube side. So, for Jolly, for the amazing... Super producer Dan Rourke. I'm Trevor Plouffe saying we'll see you tomorrow on Baseball Today.